Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to the kitchen table. I am so glad that you're here with me this week. Y'all, I'm genuinely very excited to introduce you to somebody this week who I believe will give you so much hope and so much life in your motherhood. She is a mom of seven, and I had the amazing privilege of meeting her a few years ago. We actually worked together inside of um, a bigger mastermind group, and it's been amazing to get to know Jennifer Pepito. She heads up and is the chief energy and creator of the Peaceful Press, which is a homeschool, um, really a big homeschool resource. Um, And I've used it with a bunch of my children. But I know for many of y'all who listen, you're not necessarily homeschooling um, moms, but she comes to the table today with a wealth of knowledge and wisdom. Today, we're going to be talking about fear. We're going to be talking about fear as we're walking with our kids, but also the fear really today, my heartbeat is that we would get pretty honest about how we as moms battle being afraid. And when it, when things feel scary, what do we do? So without further ado, Jennifer, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so excited to chat with you, Bethany. I just <laughs> loved our time together in the mastermind. Yeah. And it's been so wonderful to see the way Amazing. you're encouraging moms to keep the gospel at the center of their family life. Yeah. So tell me about you. Give the, give our um, our listeners just a little snippet of who you are more than my little bio of you. Yeah. So I, I have seven children. Their ages are 12 to 28. And I, um, you know, started out motherhood, just like so passionate about it. So excited and so certain that I could raise perfect children if I just did the right things. (laughs) And so this isn't necessarily a big part of my conversation. You know, we, I, I create homeschool resources to help families stay connected. I think that often we put, we elevate academics to a point where the spirit and soul and the nurture of our children get sacrificed. And I really wanted to help families do something better because I feel like a lot of the problems we actually have in the world today stem from bitter kids who are disconnected from their parents and mad at the world. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, part of my company is about helping families stay connected while also giving children an excellent education, but it was developed out of, you know, 20, five years of parenting. Uh, I started the company five years ago and just having that encounter with grace where I was trying to do everything perfectly and trying to check off all the boxes. And then one of my kids did uh, have their own encounter with mistakes and imperfection. And it was just such a hard road for us as a family to see that, oh my gosh, we, we can't be perfect. But the beautiful thing that came out of it was just 
a new level of acceptance, a new level of understanding that God loved us, no matter what the circumstances, it wasn't about our behavior is about the fact that we were clothed in the blood and the righteousness of Jesus. Mm. Wow. Yes. I have, you know, we, we've walked that same kind of road. I, I will say this, let me start with me. I definitely started parenthood thinking I can do it. I, <laughs> I can, I can be the one. I don't even think I thought that other people weren't doing it. it I don't think I started it saying, well, I'll be the one. Like I really believed everybody was parenting really perfectly and I could do it too. Like I could join in on this event. And, um, I distinctly remember, uh, we, I, my husband and I were laughing about it the other day, but, uh, the first time I realized that I wasn't going to be able to parent perfectly was like in a moment that was so, it's so etched. I mean, there was other moments, but we had, I had my college roommate was over and my child was uh, 15 months old and her child was like 16 months old. Her little girl was a little bit older than my firstborn and they were playing in the other room and we were walking in with like, with our food, like we had gotten lunch or something they were playing and we walking in. And this is the vision I see is I see my son with this hammer, this big plastic hammer. And he is just wailing on the top of this child's head with a hammer. And I just remember being like, what, why would you ever, you know, I mean, and in that moment, I got in bed that night with my husband and I was crying. I was embarrassed that my child had done this to my college roommates. I mean, they had traveled all this way to spend this time with us. And my child is a mean bully is what I think. And I remembered laying in bed that night going, this ain't going to be what I thought it was. <laughs> and how amazing that you actually made that discovery so early. I mean, it took me a little bit longer, unfortunately, <laughs> well, to get the uh, revelation that I couldn't do it perfect. And partly for me, I had been raised in a Christian family, but we were all, almost all of us were a little bit wild as teenagers. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to do what my parents said. I'm going to do it better. But I just didn't realize what all goes into raising, you know, children. I mean, it's funny because as a, as a family, and I see a lot of homeschool families do this where they look really perfect, even through the teen years, like they're able to keep everything looking so beautiful. And then pretty soon you hear about something like Josh Harris, where he's like in his forties and he rejects the Lord. Yeah. And so I think that it's easy sometimes to think that we can teach parenting when we have like everybody 17 and under, and then we realize, oh my gosh, I mean, everyone has free will and, and my children all love the Lord. There's a lot of things that are going really well, but it's not as it's not as perfect as I hoped right. it would be. It's not as um, accident free as I hoped it would be, you know, and, and thinking that you could control it is just really, it was fear-based in my case. I thought that I didn't want my kids to make the mistakes I did. And so I thought I could control the environment enough that that would never happen. And I think there, we still have to try hard. I think that some, fa- some moms face those mistakes. And then they give up, especially older moms. Like Mm -hmm. they see an older child make a mistake or, and then instead of asking for forgiveness and, um, getting grace for themselves, like I, I forgive myself even 
they get bitter and they throw the baby out of the bathwater. They're like, oh, forget it. Discipleship or intentional parenting doesn't work. My kids are going to screw up. Anyhow, I'm not even going to try now. Yeah. I think that's really sad when we do that whole pendulum swing between trying to be a perfectionist and then over here, not even trying at all. Right. And I do see that. I mean, I, I definitely have experienced that where I go from, you know, I'm going to be perfect to complete apathy somewhere in the middle. I'm going to hit some anger in that skid where I'm like really angry that I'm on this ride. And so much freedom has come for me in getting off that ride. But there's so much in that, that like, for me, what I've realized is a lot, one thing that was huge about that ride of wanting to be perfect, or then it's not working. So forget it. It, it's still for me was a lot about what other people thought. Like I had a lot of fear of man. Like I, I do, I, you know, I want you to like me. That's my personality is I'm highly driven for people just to like me. Um, and so therefore I want you to like my kid. I want you to like me as a mom. I want, you know, and so that for me, fear of man was a big deal. Yeah. I think that two books that really helped me with that. Cause that was me too. I mean, I was a homeschool mom, so you couldn't even blame the teachers or the school system <laughs> or something. Like if my kid did something embarrassing, it was all on me, you know, yeah. I, I, and that's the way I thought of it. Right. And so it was a major identity crisis for me, but I read, um, I think it's James Richard has a book called how to stop the pain. And then also Brennan Manning's ruthless trust. And both of those were so helpful for me to realize, you know what? I am loved by God. I am the child of God, regardless of what I do. My behavior is not what qualifies me to be lovable. And, and once I had that encounter, I could be a lot more free as a creative mother, as a business owner, as a wife in so many ways, because I was doing good works, not from a place of trying to earn approval, but from a place of, I am approved of God loves me. I can be like a kid experimenting, making mistakes, making messes sometimes, but just have that freedom, that childlike freedom that God calls us to as his children. Yes. That's huge. That's a huge encounter because for most moms, for me, and I know most moms that I spend time, um, ministering or counseling and and doing stuff with that, the essence of understanding the gospel that God goes, you are precious in my sight. And I love you period. Not because you've done anything, not because you possess anything, not because you've proved yourself or performed well enough to hit the standard. It's solely based on the fact that my son died for you. Therefore fullness of identity is yours. Yes. And you're right. It will free you to go. Okay. Okay. Because it also frees me. I know that part of my motherhood, there was a fear of God uh, and not the, not the fear of God that I understand that he's holy and like, not that this was a, I better get my life right. I better, you know, I can't go to God with this friction with my kid because probably I'm to blame for the friction with my kid. So I got to get it right. Like I had that kind of a fear of God for a long time too, where I struggled with, um, my, you know, 
how do I run to God with bold assurance that he welcomes me there and says, let's talk about it. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, we only can get there. Like, it's like, I can tell young moms a hundred times, you know, your kids are probably going to make mistakes. Don't let it ruin your identity. God loves you. You're a child of God. Your children are children of God. But sometimes we have to experience things to learn them. Sadly, sometimes we can't just be told you're a child of God. God loves you. It has to be our own mistakes that push us to that point. Yeah. Yeah. What is a verse for, do you have a verse? Do you have a scripture that you run to like that? So a place where you go, like you're recognizing in a relationship with a kid or something that's happened with a child and you want to internalize it and say, well, this is on me. It's my fault. Where do you, where do you go? Yeah. I mean, there's been several through the years, Isaiah, I I don't remember the reference right now, but there's a verse that says, I will contend with those who contend with you and I'll save your children. And that was kind of a promise I really hung on to in, in some Mm -hmm. of our um, dark days, knowing that God would fight for me, that God loves my kids even more than I do. Um, Psalm 37 has been a big one this year. Uh, just the encouragement that the meek will inherit the earth and delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Sometimes in parenting, there isn't a lot of peace and we're, uh, you know, fighting with our kids or fighting for our kids and there's a struggle there, but as we keep being diligent, God will, um, protect, provide. It was interesting. I just actually read an interview with Frank Schaefer, who was Edith and Francis Schaefer's son. And he was a rebel. He really, you know, walked away from the faith, probably did a lot of things that his, that maybe would have even embarrassed his parents, mm. but he wrote, um, this, it was like a blog post where he was talking about how the example of his mother, her faithfulness, her joy, her love for people, even her faithfulness to her husband, who he, Frank, the son didn't really approve of or had some issues with, um, all of that led Frank to confess that the, as, as his mother was dying, that he believed that he believed in his mother's God. Wow. You know, and so I think we don't recognize, like we can be in the middle of these rough times with our kids or these rough times in our family life and not be aware even of the impact. It can be so hopeless. And I think that, you know, there's a law of sowing and reaping here. Sometimes we, we feel like, Oh, we're, we're sowing, we're sowing, we're not seeing the fruit, but in parenting, we have to, we have to have faith. We have to trust that the seeds that are sown will bear fruit. You know, the Bible says, bring up your children, the nurture and admonition of the Lord, um, train your child. They will not turn away from it. So there's these verses that, that tell us what to do, but sometimes when we're in the middle of it and we, and we don't see things going the way we think they should, we can get panicked, but we just have to keep praying and trusting because often when we get panicked and fearful, we will say things that are, um, divisive that are, um, you know, that bring shame to our children that bring rejection. And, and, you know, it's, I just feel so heartbroken about all the young people who don't even have a relationship with their parents because of the judgment that came down from their parents. And probably a lot of it was based on embarrassment and shame. Like they're like, we're a Christian family and Christian people don't do this. And so they rejected their kids instead of finding ways to, um, kind of like, uh, 
it's almost like a game of chicken sometimes. Like you have to have the faith that God's working your children and keep loving them, keep telling them, you know, keep telling scripture. But I think that when we reject our children because we're embarrassed, we we cement that division. Mm-hmm. I I think so. I mean, I know that I know that for us, the times that I have been the most cutting with my tongue are when somehow I am putting my identity inside of my motherhood saying these two are equated and you have now like stepped on it. You have now, you have now made it look bad. You have now made me feel unsure, unsteady and and, and I do, we have a saying in our house, which is, um, it's just a silly saying, but we just, I mean, in those moments, it has helped me more than anything to literally in that moment with my kid go, you know, you are not my enemy. <laughs> and having to say that out loud sometimes helps me reset in that second and say, wait a minute, this is something that, that you did. It doesn't define you. Gospel says it doesn't define you. And it doesn't define me. This is something that's been done. There's going to be consequences probably, or we're going to walk it out, you know, whatever it is that's so thing. But um, yeah, I have definitely been very guilty of instead, my initial reaction is how could you do that? Mm-hmm. And, why, and what were you thinking? That's another one I use. And and I'm not using that in the way, like we've done a podcast about wisdom and going, tell me, do you think that was wise? That's not what I'm doing. That's not what I'm doing in that moment. (laughs) I am absolutely basically implying you're an idiot and you weren't thinking, which is just all shameful talk, you know, instead of going, you know, but in the moments where I've been able to go, okay, wait a minute, you're not my enemy. We have an enemy. And he wants this to really become a big thing. Right. It's interesting too, because it's like one of my friends pointed out to me, and I'll probably say it on every podcast that, you know, Adam was in the garden with God. He was walking and talking with God. He was living in paradise and he still blew it. Do you know what I mean? So first of all, what do we think that we have on God that we can raise perfect children who will never make a mistake? And, and then secondly, like God, when Adam did make a mistake, he didn't come screaming at him. Like, I think as we can get so scared and embarrassed and get so emotional about it that we make a situation that actually, I mean, it might be big, it might not be big, but we can make it way bigger by our reaction Yeah, and then bring so much energy into it. Whereas like God, he came to Adam and he's like, where's your wife? What are you guys doing? <laughs> I mean, he was, you know, the, the, the in the, in what you can read in the Bible, it's a very calm conversation. There were consequences, yeah. Yeah. but God didn't come down with a thousand angels to smite Adam. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes right. we come at our kids like that with all this, like fear and rage and embarrassment and just so much emotion. And I, and I can, yeah. I can picture a time in my own life where I thinking that it'd be helpful. I came in with too much energy and really brought a lot of shame you know, and I, I wish I could back up and redo some of the scenarios in my parenting, but, you know, also remembering, I mean, our kids' brains aren't 
mature until they're 25. Like their, their brains are very plastic until 25. So keeping that in mind, like sometimes they're not trying to do something bad. They're just curious or they're experimenting or they're, you know, they're trying to figure out the world around them. And, and then also we do live, I, I would have to say we live in a dark world. I, I, I know that people have lived in a dark world before, but we don't have the cultural support for Christian behavior in a way. Like our kids are faced with so many more temptations and so many more pitfalls in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, having some mercy for that, I mean, Maranatha, it's like, God, come and be, come and deliver us from the situation where we don't have the support of a strong Christian community to help keep our kids on the, on the narrow way. Right. Yeah. I mean, what would you say to the mom who's sitting there and she's like, this is, this is me. And I think I've messed it up. Like all I've been doing is coming at my kids because this is what happens. I think is so we hear something like this and we're like, yeah, I, I didn't understand that the gospel said that my identity is not in this. So I've been putting my identity in there. I've been absolutely ripping my kids new ones every time they do something wrong because I don't want them to do the wrong thing. Cause really I'm scared that I really, cause I think at the bottom of it all as a mom, we're going, well, I really want them just to love God and to have a happy life and to, to follow Jesus. And then we layer behavior and performance there, but now she's realizing it. She's listening. She's like, Oh, but what do you say to her now? Mm-hmm. So she's like, yeah, I mean, well, but my kid's 10. I've messed right. it up. <laughs> There's a couple of things. I mean, first of all, I would say that you and your husband get healing for your own issues, because I think so often our hidden issues become our children's visible issues. You know, your mm-hmm. unresolved, um, like sexual abuse or your unresolved, um, maybe issues with lying or with alcohol or whatever it might be like little things that might not seem like so destructive in your life will probably become bigger things in your kids' lives. If you don't get healing for it. And, mm-hmm. and that's not like, I mean, I think that we can overcome, but often we just try to cover it up with good behavior. But if we haven't let God in to heal those places, they can become magnified in our kids' lives. You know, and then the second thing, like with our children, we've done a lot of reconciliation. There's a um, a ministry called Nothing Hidden Ministry, and they teach a reconciliation process where you, where when you have hurt somebody, whether you meant to or not, and whether it was justified or not, you reconcile with them. So with my kids, like for instance, one of the things that caused some rejection and pain in one of my kids' lives was a small thing. It was a, um, a a card that was offered and it wasn't well received because the person who was given to was stressed at the moment. So it was like a small thing, Mm -hmm. but in that child's memory, it was like a time where they felt rejected and they, um, it sort of caused some separation in the parent child relationship. And so in a situation when our kids bring something up to us that they were hurt about, instead of saying, oh, oh, don't be just a baby or, well, I didn't mean to do that. Or I was doing my best instead of justifying our behavior, we will say, you know what? You brought that card to me and we weren't present with you at the time. We didn't show you how much we loved you. And that, that opened the door to you feeling rejection and you feeling hurt that brought separation. And I'm really, I feel so sad that we brought that pain to your life. 
it's my desire to not bring that pain to your life again. Will you forgive me? So, you know, having a parent go to a child and really acknowledge that they cause pain. Cause I think so often when we try to go to our parents and say, I feel like you did this wrong. They're like, Oh, I was doing my best. You little ingrate. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the response is so defensive, partly because we're already so embarrassed. We're already like, Oh, I'm such a failure as a parent. It's so easy for us already to be judging ourselves. So then if our kids do come at us, we're like, defensive. But if we realize that we're loved by God, if we, if we have um, actually put on that position of I'm the beloved of God, nobody can take that from me. My children can't take that from me. My husband can't take that from me. I am beloved. Then when our kids do come to us with an issue, because we already know we're loved, we can extend grace to them and say, you know what, that hurt you. And that breaks my heart. You're so precious to me. I love you. And and it builds Mm -hmm. connection. Then our children feel like, Oh, here's a person who does actually care about my feelings, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that doesn't resolve. I mean, you know, there are so many ins and outs and I'm still figured out myself. My oldest is 28. I'm still trying to figure out how to, um, be a model of Christian behavior, encourage godly behavior, in my children, but also love them and, um, walk with them. Even if, even if I don't love what they're doing. So I think it's a process and we're going to keep trying to figure it out as we go, but, but reconciliation is so powerful for keeping the bridge built. Yes. Yeah. We have, we have one child that I, I did kind of that stuff where I was like, no, because I, because I didn't. And it was like, this child would bring, you know, this thing, and it, it wasn't so much that it, it wasn't even like me do that it was against like, but sh- this child would share it with me. And because I so want everybody to be happy that I'm like, no, 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 no. It was, I'm sure they didn't mean it like that. And which is like minimizing and basically saying your feelings don't count or you're too sensitive or, but, I mean, that's the messaging I was sending. Mm-hmm. And what I really wanted was to be like saying, no, 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 be happy, be happy. But that child, until that was resolved and, and reconciliation happened and we began to actually be honest and talk about it, we, we couldn't. But I've watched God do that work and sewing actually those hearts together. And, you know, the thing that I learned is I really feared, I really did, I Fear, I fear confrontation just in my personhood um, and I fear schism. So I can make false peace because I'm afraid of, but uh, you know, I'm afraid of going through what is required to get to real peace, mm-hmm. which is not good. Um, but what the Lord has really been teaching me over the last four or five years is Bethany, when you actually go through that and, and you allow my spirit, allow my truth and allow me to begin to do the healing and to do the sewing of what you viewed as a completely broken thing. When I sew it back together, I mean, it's so much more beautiful. It's so much stronger, truthfully, where now that this child who, you know, the beginning was sharing probably because they were kind of being pushed from behind. We had some counseling engaged and some different things engaged. And, and so sharing was probably, excuse me, this child was being forced to, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then she was being met by a mother who was like, no, no, it's fine. Everybody loves her. And that wasn't helpful. Don't do that. But, um, but in that, in that, when we begin to actually plow that ground and work that up and let God reconcile, it's been powerful. It's been beautiful. It has changed the language in our home and changed the landscape in our home and made other people be able to say much faster that kind of, that hurt me and other people to turn and go and value it. Just like you said, like, I would love to know, tell me the name of that, that ministry that you said. Yeah. It's called nothing hidden ministry. And they, they do have some of the best tools for communication we've found. And one of the other things I've done is I've forgiven myself. Like even, um, as I, you know, I, I, I think forgiveness is such an important part here of keeping us clear from becoming bitter but I think as moms, we can get so full of shame and, and, um, regret. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's so easy for regret to attach itself to us. And then we don't want to try because we're so discouraged and feel like I I've disappointed my own ideals with the way I've failed. Mm-hmm. And so I have actually, there's a prayer that they have also in their little tool booklet called the forgiveness tool. And I've done that towards myself. Like God, thank you for forgiving me of all my sins because of your forgiveness, I choose to forgive myself. I forgive myself for the ways that I reacted instead of um, responding gently. I forgive myself for the ways that I was apathetic. I forgive myself for the ways I checked out, you know, just basically, because I think when we hold ourselves or others in judgment, it's almost like putting a little brick on our head. Like we're trying to rise up and be happy moms but we're also judging ourselves all the time. And so mm-hmm. it was almost like a formal way of saying, I am forgiven. God's forgiven me. And I'm going to take the time to put that line in the sand and release myself as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Thank God for his grace. I mean, we, he loves us so much that he sent his only son to die for us. And so why should we put a heavier judgment on ourselves or others than he's putting on us. He's forgiven us. And that doesn't mean we stop parenting or stop being a good example or stop teaching what is true, but it right. means that we do it from a place of looking for restoration and grace. Yes. Cause we really are safe. Mm-hmm. That's good. But, you know, we really yeah. are safe. Yeah. That's really good. I think I could sit and talk all day. I know. (laughs) I feel like I could, I could just sit here and we could just keep moving this conversation. I want you to come back. Yeah, it's definitely a passion. You know, I feel like when we can get, it's funny because I'm working with moms, helping them homeschool with the peaceful press. Yeah. Your listeners could take 10% off an order with code new friend. Okay. You know, but partly it's like, if we can start to get peace in our homes through our own inner healing, through, um, restoring connection between husband and wives, between children, think about how much more beautiful the world could be. If, if at least families loved each other, think about how much more safe our communities could be and how much more functionality and how much less division, if we started to learn how to forgive and communicate and love each other. Yeah. And really that the idea of what Christ said in the Sermon on the Mount, that you are the light of the world, Mm -hmm. you know, that you begin to, 
you begin to shine that you're different. Mm-hmm. When we begin to understand what the gospel is and what grace truly is, we begin to heal. Mm-hmm. We, we do look different to the yeah. world. Yeah. And they, they wonder, they're like, yeah, why does your family, I mean, how many times do you ever hear? I mean, you, you, you have basically the same number I have. I mean, how many I think times? You, I think you won me. You have one more than me. <laughs> well, you know, but still it's the same. And we both drive huge fans, but, um, <laughs> or did, I don't know. You probably right, don't I have did. It was anymore. dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but how many times have you been places like we'll go to dinner and it'll be like the whole Motley crew and somebody will come up afterwards. And I'm not saying we do it well. Most of the time we laugh and giggle because they just didn't see all the little jabs and things that were going on around the table. But most people will have watched us at the table. Like, you know, other people when we're at the restaurant will watch us and be like, your kids are so great. I can't imagine having, are they all yours? And do you get that? Oh yeah. I mean, not as much anymore because they don't get well, to all go out, but, you're not, but, but even like we went to dinner in with, I think I had five of my kids, like one was an in-law and it was like, people are, are just not even used to seeing a family together. Like when we were standing yeah. in the parking lot together, a lady walked right up to us and she was like, are, is this your family? Like, you know, it's just, it's a miracle to have a loving family in this culture is a miracle. And I think that that is part of, like you said, we're a city set on a hill let your lights so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. So if, if families can get reconciled and learn to love each other, learn to communicate and stay in community, even when it's hard, think about what the world could be like. I know we can save the world one family at a time. One family at a time. <laughs> That's right. Oh, Jennifer, for all of y'all listening, I would love for you to go find Jennifer. She is, all of it will be in the show notes, but she's over on Instagram at really Jennifer Pepito and at yep. the Peaceful Press. They're that's, both you. That's right. Yeah. And I, I personally, I love both of your accounts. I really though, um, I really love both of your accounts, but I follow the Peaceful Press a lot because you, I love reading what you we're kind of in this weird year this year where we're not fully homeschooling. And so I'm trying to figure out all the things of what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. And I have pulled more of your curriculum and more of your ideas and the things that you share there. Um, I don't know. I feel more bandwidth, I guess, because yeah. we're not, I'm not responsible for all the things right. this year. Yeah. Um, but she is over there on Instagram and then her website is the peaceful press. Yeah, right? that's correct. For, yeah. And, um, I really appreciate you today. I thank you for your time. I thank you for the gifts that you bring to motherhood and your wisdom that you've just shared. I know we'll get lots of feedback from listeners. Um, and again, I I say this sometimes on the podcast and I want to say it this week, y'all, if you have any questions, any, um, things that you want more clarity on, I would love for you to, you can find me and, you know, obviously DM me on Instagram or email me or um, get in touch with us through the show notes. Even it's very easy and you can find us through the um, website, but please, please, please. I know that both Jennifer and I would want you to know more than anything, the abundance of God's grace that holds you tightly as you walk each day with your kids. He is not expecting from you a list he is inviting you into a beautiful thing of leaning on him as he leads you with your kids 
it is worth it. That is one last question I want to ask. Oh, I'm going to have to push this in somewhere else. Would you say it's worth it? Your kids oh, are in their twenties. Is it worth yes, it? It's worth it. It's worth it. It's just a delight to be in relationship with all of my adult children yeah. to love them, to love their, the, um, the spouses, two of my sons are married now. It's so worth it. Absolutely. It is the beauty that of, of seeing this when it feels like it's hard and long, especially when they're little. And then again, it feels hard and long in those teen years, those young teen years, but the beauty and the fruit of keeping on plowing the ground and trusting God for the results. Yeah. It's worth it. So worth it. Absolutely. Thank you for today. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Bethany. This is delightful. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.